At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. We invite you to join us for our series, Good Morning, as we learn from the cries of Israel recorded in the book of Lamentations. Together, we'll discover the depth of God's love for us, even in seasons of suffering, and learn to take our sorrows to the Savior. I am the campus pastor over at the Romeo campus, and it, um, man, that's incredible. Four years ago, guys, it was four years ago, I stood right here as your interim, and so it was such a, um, yeah, I just want you to know, that was such a um, joyful time for my family. It was just such a good, good time, and you guys just all blessed me richly. And uh, so we, we look at this campus with fondness, so excited to continue our partnership together. Uh, for those of you who are meeting me for the first time, you might be a little surprised to hear this, but I didn't grow up in Michigan, y'all. Like, I'm not originally from here. I've been in Michigan a little over 10 years now, so my accent's pretty much gone, which is so good. Like, you can't even tell. And um, I've been working hard on it. I'm sounding like a Michigander. So anyway, no, down south, I remember this commercial growing up. I don't know if y'all had it up here, but down south there was this commercial. These cowboys were sitting around a fire, and like they're eating, and then one of the cowboys, he's like, hey, pass me the picante sauce. Do you remember that commercial? They did have it here. Okay. And so if you haven't seen the commercial, then he's like starting to eat it, and he makes his face like, what is this? He flips it over. He goes, where is this made? And he goes, New York City. And they all go, New York City. And then the one guy goes, Thanks, Abe. <laughs> I bring my own cheering section right here. So, Amy's good. Yes, get a rope, which reminds me of the saying that my mama used to say. She would do this thing where, and it was normally like us being a bad kid. That's going to shock you that sometimes I'd be a bad kid. And, uh, but sometimes I'd be a bad kid, and my mom would look at me, and she'd say, she wouldn't say Billy. She'd say, Billy Shiloh, I'm about at the end of my rope. And she'd do cut it out. That's what that meant. Like, stop it. Whatever you're doing, which is bad, don't do that anymore, right? And so, she, you know, I never said, I'm at the end of my rope. Like, Gabe, have I ever, I've never, not one time have I ever said, Gabe, I'm at the end of my rope. But my mama did. My mom would say that all the time. Billy Shiloh, I'm at the end of my rope. Now, that saying, that saying's interesting, because when you research where that saying comes from, it comes from people with animals. They would take their goats or their sheep or what have you, whatever kind of animal. They'd tie it to the fence post or tie it to the stake. And then that, that animal would, would eat and it would clear all the grass for that whole area until it got to the end of the rope. Right? And eventually it would get to the end of the rope until it's like, I can't go one inch more. That's it. That's all the rope. That's all the slack I have. And so eventually you can see how it would work. The same kind of took on this. I have no more resources. I have nothing else to give. I can't go one more inch. And some of you know that feeling this morning, don't you? You've been through seasons like that in life, or maybe you're there right now, right this moment where you're going. I have nothing else to give. There's nothing else there. I'm literally emotionally, spiritually, physically, I'm at the end of my rope. And maybe it's because there's been tension in your life. There's been job loss. There's been financial stress. There's been relational tensions. There's someone that you love. You absolutely love and adore them. And they've said and done things to you. And you're like, this should not be possible. How could that person say and do things like that to me when they say that they love me? 
Maybe you've experienced tensions within your church. There's all these things that can continue to happen that gets us to this place of saying, I'm at the end of my rope, which brings us to this sermon series. We're in week three of our sermon series called Good Morning, where we're talking about this whole process of lament. We introduced a definition a couple weeks ago that lament is a prayer in pain that leads us to trust. It's a prayer in pain that leads us to trust. It's not that hamster wheel of grief. It's not that. It's not like a cul-de-sac of hurt that you're going to go through where it's around and around and around with no exit ramp. That's not what lament is. Lament is a process. It starts us in a place of pain. It's that prayer of pain, but it's going to take us to a place of trust. Take your Bibles, open up to Lamentations chapter 3 this morning. Lamentations chapter 3 is where we're going to be. I tell you guys, I am... Anyone who knows me, you know, like, my preference is always going to be sermons about, like, ice cream and rainbows. Like, that's, that's what I love to preach. I, I told the Romeo campus this last week that I feel like, for me, there's not four seasons. It's not winter, summer, spring, fall. That's, no, I got two seasons. Ice cream and no sugar. Those are my seasons, right? Ice cream. I do ice cream until I got to break out the husky pants, and then I go to no sugar season, I just moved into no sugar season yesterday, just so y'all know. Like, so it's a sad season for me, right? But I'd way rather talk about that and rainbows and the happiness of life than lament. We oftentimes, we try to run from lament, don't we? We don't like to talk about it. We don't like to ask those questions of, of why God, why is the Lord doing this? But lament takes us on that journey. Talk about a gift of grace, that God gives us a way to process all of this emotion, all of these feelings and take us to a place of trust. So the setting, the setting is the year 586 BC. The Babylonian empire has invaded Israel. They didn't just invade, they conquered Israel. They whooped them, right? The, the walls have been leveled. The city has been burned. The temple has been destroyed. And then they took the best and the brightest and they exiled them back to Babylon. That's the setting. The author is never stated in scripture, but most theologians believe it's the prophet Jeremiah. And so they're looking at this prophet who sees everything from a firsthand account. And what that means to us He's not getting a letter saying, here's what happened to Israel, and he's burdened for Israel. He's not watching the commercial with the really sad-looking puppy dogs and that song playing in the background. That's not what's going on here. What's going on is a first-hand account. He can smell the burning of the city. In fact, it goes so far. I just, I know I'm not there yet, but skip ahead to verse 18 real fast. Real fast, look at verse 18. He says this, So I say, my endurance has perished, so is my hope from the Lord. He just said, I have no hope. I'm at the end of my rope. This is it. There is no hope there. But I want you to see the most incredible thing this morning. Look just two verses later. Skip just two verses later to verse 21. He says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. In just two verses, he goes from hopelessness to hope. He goes from into the rope to I have hope in the Lord. How do you do that? Right? Because again, some of you, you know that burden on the heart. How do you go when you're still in the midst of it? He still is right there looking at the city burning. 
He's still looking around at all the people who are missing. And in that setting, he ends in a place. How, how, do, you, how do you do that? That brings us to our big idea today. The big idea is that lament allows us to hope. Lament allows us to hope because one of three things is true. You either just came out of a trial, you're in a trial now, or you're about to go into one. Because Jesus says in this world, we're going to have trouble. Church, we can count on that, that we will have trouble in this world. And so instead of trying to, to put on a mask or fake it like you make it, we, we need to learn how to deal with lament. And this, as Christians, is such a powerful tool because it helps you with those around you as they're hurting for you to give them tools on how to do this well. So there's two clear things that lament is going to allow us to do. One is to acknowledge your affliction, to be honest before God and acknowledge your affliction. Let's go back. Chapter 3, chapter three verse number 1 through 16. The prophet writes this. He says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. Surely against me, he turns his hand again and again the whole day long. He made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's broken my bones. He has besieged and enveloped me with his bitterness and tribulation. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. He's walled me about so that I cannot escape. He's made my chains heavy. Though I call and cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He's blocked my ways with blocks of stones. He's made my paths crooked. He is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrows. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. He has filled me with bitterness. He has sated me with wormwood. He made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in the ashes. So you're going to notice that this is written in the form of a poem. It's an acrostic. Uh, I've mentioned this the past few weeks, but chapters 1 and 2, they're both acrostics, meaning each letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, each verse is the next letter. But chapter 3, if you look, is a lot longer, isn't it? Because each letter gets three verses for this. So it's a lot longer, but still an acrostic. And so he starts out by saying this is personal. He says, I am the man who has seen the affliction. Right? I have a firsthand account of what just happened. And then that's really pointing back to chapter 2. Now, last week, I know Pastor Steve was here, and he shared kind of a one-off message. Anytime that you ever miss a message, you know, you can go to Facebook, and the Chesterfield campus, I think, you, ha you have the Facebook Live that happens, so you can always go back and watch. Or if there's a one-off, the, there's something different going on at your campus than the rest of campuses, you can always go on the Romeo page, you can always go on the Troy page to be able to catch up with what just happened. So in chapter 2, what the prophet pointed to is he said in chapter 2, this is a season unlike any season where God has shown he is so, he's so patient. And so he's put, off, he's put off penalty. He's put off punishment because there was this covenant relationship with Israel. And again and again and again, God was faithful in keeping his covenant. His righteous right hand stayed protecting Israel. But again and again and again, they rebelled. They worshiped other gods. They did whatever they wanted to do. 
But you see, God isn't just merciful and graceful. He's also righteous and he is just. And so he may have delayed punishment, but he said there has to be a dealing with this rebellion. And that's where, even though it's the Babylonian Empire who invades, even though it's King Nebuchadnezzar who's in charge of all of this, the prophet here points out that, no, this is judgment from the Lord because of the rebellion. This is a broken covenant with God. And God, all he did is he took his righteous right hand a protection away from Israel. So we see this pointing back to chapter 2. The writer here uses a series of metaphors to help us understand the grief and the mourning that he's going through. He talks about God as a harsh shepherd, bringing down the rod on the sheep. We see the second picture of God as a jailer with the, the heavy chains. We see the predator devouring its prey. We see the hunter uh, hunting the target. This feeling that we're left with is that Jeremiah is in a place where he feels beaten, he feels jailed, he feels hunted, and it leads him to a place of deep grief. It leads him to a place of mourning. Lamentations 3, 17 and 18, look down at your Bible. It says, my soul is bereft of peace. It's forgotten what happiness is. So I say my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Talk about a low point. Talk about being at the end of your rope. Shalom is gone. Peace is gone. He is at the very bottom. Rock bottom at this place. And he has made crystal clear, crystal clear the pain that he's in and his feelings towards God about that pain. Can I just tell you, we struggle with that. Maybe y'all don't struggle with it, but I know through the years I've struggled with it. I think churches in general, we really have a hard time with this. In fact, what we almost act like sometimes is we almost act like if I'm hurting, if I'm in a place of grief, if I'm in a place of mourning, I can't let anyone know at church. In fact, I better put my happy mask on when I go to church. So when people see me, I just smile just like this. You know, you just come put on a smile. How you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm blessed and highly favored. You know, and that's what we do. We think because to do anything less would be unchristian. But church, when we do that, what we do is we just kind of try to take a, a, a marker. We try to take a Sharpie to our Bible and say, Jesus wept. I don't want to read that. He showed up to the funeral of Lazarus and he wept. Nope, I don't want to read it. Wept over Jerusalem? Uh-uh. Nope, that's out of there. I only read, want to read the happy, happy, joy, joy stuff. I don't want to read the fact that there's this place uh, of being honest in that place of suffering. We've got to learn how to be honest. A few years back, I was sitting in the living room of this girl named Chelsea. She's 18 years old in the final stages of cancer. And uh, her mom was there, and Chelsea was talking to me. And she's like, you know, Pastor Billy, there's a lot of things... I'm not going to be able to do in life. I'd really like to do. You know, I'm probably not going to get married and, and have kids. And she's just kind of pouring her heart out, right? And she says, but you know, the thing is, is I've never been baptized. I place my faith in Jesus, but I've never been baptized. I, I want to get baptized. Can you help me with that? Now, let me call a quick time out. In a couple weeks, we have a baptism service scheduled right here. Right here, baptism service is scheduled. And if you've been putting it off, just thinking, well, I don't know if it's that important. I don't know. Like, I just want you to know there's power in your testimony. 
There is so much power in your testimony when you stand in front of a church family, when you stand in front of your, your friends and your family, and you say, let me tell you about a Jesus who rescued me. I was lost and now I'm found. I was blind and now I see. I have a new life because of my faith in Christ Jesus. When you do that, oh my goodness, friends, it matters. It makes such a difference. And so if that's you, if you're like, I've never been bad. I didn't know it was that big of a deal. It is that big of a deal. And so what I'd love for you to do is stop at the desk on the way out. Talk to someone. You can talk to Pastor Vince on the way out. There'll be a prayer team right here at the front of the stage. After the, You can talk to the prayer team. You can fill out a communication card. I'm telling smoke signals. Like, we will figure it out. <laughs> we would love to talk to you more about that process. But back to the living room. So in the living room, Chelsea's talking to me. And she goes, um... She said, you know, Pastor Billy, I know that the Lord is going to heal me. Either here, which is what I hope, or when I'm face to face with Jesus. And that's when her mom lost it, right? And you can imagine, moms, you can imagine what that would be like. Her mom, Sheila, started to say, nope, I don't want to hear anything about face to face with Jesus right now. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about it. I, don't, I, just, I just don't want to do that right now. Now, I had a choice. I'm a pastor, right? So I could have said, let me preach a little mini sermon to you. I could have done that. Let me talk to you about how this is not all there is, this life and death thing, that there is more than meets the eye. Let me talk to you about what is waiting with heaven. I could have done that. I could have said, let's scripturally break this down a little bit. Yeah, I, I could have. That would have been real dumb of me, wouldn't it have? It wouldn't have been very compassionate at all. No, you know what Sheila needed in that moment? She needed to be okay to not be okay. She's sitting here watching her daughter die. She needs, at least with her pastor and her daughter, to be able to sit there with tears running down her cheeks and just say, Pastor, I'm not okay. And I need God to know I'm not okay because I'm mad about this. I'm so upset about what I'm facing. So I don't want to talk about tomorrow yet. I don't want, I don't want to get there. And maybe you get it. Maybe you understand what that feels like. And I just want you to know what lament is. Talk about a gift of grace from God. Lament is this place that gives us the freedom to say, God, I'm not okay right now. It is a prayer of pain. Lament doesn't happen unless you're in pain. Lament doesn't happen unless you feel it right here. That's how lament happens. But it takes us to a place of trust. So let's move on and talk about remembering our God. Let's read starting in verse 19. He says, remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bound down within me. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. So they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Great is your faithfulness. That'd be a good song, wouldn't it? That'd be a real good song. Someone should write that. No, he begins by saying he wants to remember this place of humility. Like he, back to chapter two, right? I remember what got us here and I want to remember this place of humility. You see, the thing is with a lot of us when it comes to lament, when it comes to grief, when it comes to mourning, we do the hamster wheel, don't we? We just never, we never hit the exit button. We never process, or some of you, some of you, I'm not going to say guys only, 
because I think girls do it too. What you do sometimes is we take what we're going through and we swallow it down, don't we? Well, if I just act like it's not there, well, then it's going to be no big deal. And it's kind of like imagine a jar of water with some sand in it. If you've ever had a fish tank, this is easy to imagine. After a period of time, that sand will settle to the bottom, won't it? So you picture like maybe a flower vase filled with water and about that much sand. It's all mucky and everything. And then after a little bit, it all settles. That's kind of what you're like. And you're like, I'm settled. I'm good. I can move on. I can keep advancing. I'm not even going to think about it. And then you get bumped in life. And when you get bumped in life, what happens with all that sand? It all stirs up and you're a big pile of chaos is what you are. Right? Your life looks like that vase filled with sand. It all of a sudden is so muddy again. So every time something happens in your life, it all gets stirred up because you never dealt with it in the first place. You never work through it. And that's what I love here is the honesty. The honesty of saying, I don't ever want to forget this place. I don't want to act like it didn't happen. I want to remember the humility of this moment. But look at verse 21. Woo, verse 21 is where everything changes. And it doesn't just change for the author here. It changes for the whole book of Lamentations. This is where everything takes a turn. It's where he moves from the hopelessness to hope. He says, this I call to mind. This I call to mind. Do you know what that means? It means that the word of God was here in the first place. It means that the ways of God, it was already there in the first place. He had already done work to have it here and here in the first place. Your theology is your thoughts on God. That's what theology means, right? It means your thoughts on God. You all, everyone in here has a theology. Your theology ought not come from your friends or talk shows or movies or music. It should come from the word of God. That's what we see happening here. We see this theology coming forth and bearing fruit. He says, I bring this to mind. I'm remembering what's going on. Here's how he does it. He reminds himself of God's steadfast or covenantal love, of his mercy, of his compassion, that they are eternal. He says, these other things I'm facing, they're temporary things. But the ways of God, they are eternal things. The greatness of God's faithfulness is absolutely eternal. You see, God didn't change. That's what I love about this moment. God never, ever changed. Sometimes I think that's what we think when we're going through grief and mourning, that God is supposed to come alongside and swoop in and rescue us in that moment to provide something special in that moment. But church, I'm going to tell you, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same God. He didn't go anywhere. He didn't move. He is never changing. And that's what changed everything in this moment for him. He realized how eternal, the circumstances didn't change. The city's still burning. The walls are still destroyed. The hurt is still there. But he's like, in this moment, I have hope. I have hope. Maybe you need that reminder today. Maybe you need that reminder that the circumstances you're facing, they don't go away. The job doesn't just magically fix. The money isn't automatically there. The person who's sick or has passed away, it's, it's not fixed. But even in the middle of the not fixed, there is hope. There's an Old Testament scholar named Christopher Wright who shares a story about a friend in Rwanda. He says his friend in Rwanda is walking through. This is right after the genocide. And as he's walking through, he finds this man who's, who's desolate. 
I mean, he has nothing. His family has all died. His home is gone. This man literally has nothing. And here's what the man said. The man said, I never knew Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. I never knew Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. Church, that's hope. That's hope. Because the same is true for us. We are not Israel. And yet, Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For every single one of us, God, in his mercy, delayed punishment, didn't he? He put off punishment. He said, I'm, I'm going to push that down the road a little bit. It's going to come because the wages of sin is death. The penalty, the payment for sin is separation for eternity from a holy and an awesome God. But you see, God in his grace, he said, someone's got to pay. That's the justice side. But he said, someone's got to pay, so I'm going to pay. That is the grace of God. Jesus on the cross took the weight and the shame of the whole entire world on the cross. Can you imagine that moment? The weight of the sin of the whole world on the cross. The hand of God's protection being lifted, saying, I'm going to let all the punishment rest on Jesus who they then placed into a dark tomb, a grave, all alone, and they sealed it up. But, but on the third day, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus arose. And when he arose, he declared, he announced that he had conquered sin, that he had conquered death. That through faith in Christ, church, we can have hope. We can have new life. Yes, we have the promise of eternity, but we also have the ability to have hope today. Today we can have that hope. I want to end with a story. There's a story of a man who went out on the family boat. He uh, is off the panhandle of Florida, you know, so he's in the Gulf of Mexico. He's on the boat, and that's when a storm comes. And this storm, man, it made a mess of things. This storm came, and, and it was intense. The storm was just blowing everything all around, and, and this guy couldn't tell which way was which. He had been bruised up, beaten up because the way it was throwing him around. He thought a few times, like, I might sink. Like, this ship might into the rope, right? I might sink. That's where he was. Finally, though, after some hours... The storm stopped. It was nighttime by that point. The storm stopped, and he walks over to grab the radio, and he's like, ah, the radio is broken. Looks at the compass. Compass is broken. Looks at the fuel gauge. He's like, yeah, I don't have a lot of fuel. And he's looking around going, I, I just don't know which way's which. And so he just kind of, I mean, what do you do in that moment? So he just kind of looks. He's like, that looks like a good direction right there. So he points the boat in that direction and starts to go a little bit. And he's watching that, that fuel gauge continue down, and he's not seeing any land. He's just seeing more and more water, so he cuts the engines again. He falls to his knees on the deck. He looks up to the sky, and he's just like, Lord, I can't take one more thing. How am I supposed to know the way? As he looks up, the sky starts to clear up. He just starts smiling to himself. Because as he looks up, he thinks back to middle school science class. There's the Big Dipper right there. And he's like, the Big Dipper, those two stars point to the North Star. There's the North Star. If you're in the Gulf of Mexico, north will take you to land. Like, that's the moral of the story, right? 
the North Star will take you straight to land. If you go north, you're going to hit the U.S., right? That's what's going to happen. But pay attention. See, the, the situation was still the same. He was still bruised and battered. The compass still didn't work. The radio still didn't work. He was still low on fuel, and yet there was hope. We have something so much greater than the North Star. We have the one who created the heavens and the earth. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is our strong tower. He is our refuge. He is our hiding place. He is our hope. He is never changing, church. And when we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, we have hope. The situation doesn't change. We still have trials. Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have trials. We know there's going to be trials. And yet in that place, we know that there's hope. So for you, I don't, I don't know what you're going through in life. But I want to encourage you to do it together. We're not supposed to do this alone. Following the last song, there's going to be members of the prayer team right here up front. Lament is a process. It's not a prayer. It's not a one-time prayer. It's a process. Why don't you just start the process today? Just come up to others and just say, hey, I just need someone to, to pray with me, to join with me. We just start that process today. Maybe in your life group. You just say, hey, guys, I love Taco Tuesday. That's great. But can, can we also start the process? My, my life group's on Tuesday. <laughs> Intentionally, tacos, right? But maybe you just say, hey, I also need to work through some of this stuff that's going on because it's pressing down awful hard on me. I'm at the end of my rope right now, and I need hope. I need reminded of the authority and the power, the grace, the mercy of our Lord. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.